Amen. We do want to welcome you here to Cornerstone on this uh, snowy, sleety, you know, day. But uh, God's good, isn't He? Aren't you glad you came today already? Amen. 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 Well, we do want to welcome you. My name is Sean Afkin. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad you're here today. We have uh, just a real special for you today. We have um, had this week had our Love After Mar- Marriage workshop that went on for Woo! about. Amen. For a, a number of couples in our church and outside of our church, and it just was absolutely amazing. So today, you're not you're going to hear from some testimonies that God did uh, during this week through uh, some of them. But um, I want you to know something. Lisa and I met Barry and Lori about a year ago because we went to a five day seminar out in Redding, California. And um, I tell you what, you know, we ha- we've had a great marriage, and I've, I've shared with you before some of the. Some of the things that have happened in our lives and some of the struggles Lisa and I have had, you know, after, you know, after I got sick, how, how the enemy just didn't attack my body. He attacked mine and Lisa's relationship and how we needed something more. And we went out to this place and how God just really moved. And I've, I've mentioned this. I said, this is the best thing ever, not just a, a marriage workshop, but it, it has affected every single part of our lives. And I just am so impressed. And so we were so wanting them to come. And uh, so we were able to run um, a workshop here of our own for 18 weeks. Kelly and Cindy Hill, some of our elders who just really had a heart for this and uh, did it for did an amazing job. And we saw amazing things happen, but we we're blessed to have them here for this week. But I've asked them to come and speak to us today. And so I want you to give Barry and Lori Burns a hand as they come and to speak to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. We like the snow too. <laughs> we'll be glad to leave it, but we're glad to see it here today. It's good. We love your church. We've fallen in love with you guys. Mm. We love your pastors and your elders. That worship was so amazing this morning, too. I was telling Barry, I could go, if I lived here, I could go to this church. It's a wonderful attitude, atmosphere. (laughs) Pray about it. Okay, thanks. It's just a wonderful atmosphere here as well, and we feel it. And we go to a lot of different churches and a lot of different different flavors and and god's doing a lot of different things to different people but just really feel at home here and we just did a marriage workshop um from wednesday night through last night and god did some amazing things and i really can't help but believe that a lot of the reason why there's so many powerful breakthroughs is because of what was already established here um partly through Kelly and Cindy and the marriage ministry that's going on, your pastors being part of it, but I think just in general, your openness, your heart openness towards God here. There is such a great anointing here for strong, healthy, passionate marriages in this church. Did you know that? Not every church has that. And when it starts from the top like it is, it all trickles down. Right. There's a lot of churches that are trying to bring this in, and there's people in the midsection or down below that are trying to bring it. But, but when it starts from the top, there is just a grace and a covering and an anointing. So make use of it. It's, 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 it's rare. Yeah, you know, God doesn't intend us to only relate to him. 
and only love him. When he created Adam in the garden and God and Adam could walk together, talk together, absolutely zero sin separating them. God said, this isn't good. The one, this is the one thing of all that I created that isn't good. He's alone. God called Adam alone while he had God all to himself. And it wasn't that he need, God, God didn't have all that he, that he needed, but God wanted him to have something from another person. Mm-hmm. While he was on, in the flesh, God wanted him to relate to somebody in the flesh. And he created a woman. He created women for men, for us to, to relate in, in, a, in a fullness. And, and I don't understand all that, but it's a good, it's a good plan. Adam thought it was great. You know, I think it's great. <clears throat> God thought it was great, so that's enough. <clears throat> and so we just uh, finished the marriage workshop, and we're actually doing a little introduction uh, to single life workshop this afternoon. And you know, we start both workshops with the same message of living with nothing hidden. You know, God began to teach me about this back when I was in high school. I was in the Catholic Church. I was raised in a Catholic Church. and um, He was an altar boy. Yeah. Can you see him? <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be talking if I was an altar boy. <laughs> no talking in church. Um, but uh, it actually was a good time in my life. I really, I really valued my upbringing in the Catholic Church. But I was, actually, I was in high school. I was in a Catholic seminary. And one morning, we were uh, doing our time of meditation. It was a contemplative seminary, and, and uh, so they would read a devotional. We'd spend some time meditating on this. And I have no idea what the devotional was, and I didn't even know it was God at the time, but he spoke to me something that has never left me. And he said, truthfulness, honesty, needs to be one of the highest things you value in your life. And if you're not honest with yourself, if you let deception in about yourself, you won't be able to be honest with other people. And if you're dishonest with other people, you can't just hold the truth for yourself. You just enter into deception. So that's been a high value. As best I can, we've lived that the best we could. And, And that's one of the foundations that God gives us to give to other people. There's a lot of people who can connect to God and not well to, to each other. And God, that's not enough for God. He says, if you, love, you say you love me and you hate your brother, then you're lying. Because God loves each other. And the hardest thing, we go through kind of a spiritual connection with God and then emotional, relational connection with each other. And then our sexual, and the marriage thing, sexual, we don't do this with, with singles. We, we talk about sex, but we don't talk about relating sexually with each other. Um, until you're married. <clears throat> but in the couples, with the couples we do, and God wants us to be one in all those areas. And guess which one is usually the hardest for people? It's the emotional, relational connection. You start really talking, opening up instead of hiding, and it just gets really difficult. But that's exactly where God wants us to break through. He wants us to have that oneness, that comfort with each other. We've, we've opened up and we've loved each other and accepted each other. Because it's the only place, it's the only way you'll feel secure in your relationship. It's the only way that there will be trust. Mm-hmm. Is when you've opened up, been honest, and not just said, yeah, I'm a jerk, I'm a liar, 
I, I do things behind your back. I steal things. I, you know, and then just move on. You, you open up those things and invite the Lord right into those things. And let him bring the healing to make you who he wants you to be and to make you into the person that you will really like. And then when we really like ourselves before God, we can, we can more easily let somebody else into our life and trust that process. When we choose to hide things that we're ashamed of, things we feel guilty about, the enemy is just smiling and having fun. Didn't realize there's a whole crowd over here. <laughs> I'll look at you guys too. Um, <clears throat> he loves it because in that place of darkness and hiddenness, he lies and deceives and steals away the good things that God wants for us. Starting with just feeling good about ourselves. And it's a risk to open up. And I'll tell you, there's a whole group of people. We had, do we have 34? 34 couples that came here over the last three and a half days who did that very thing. And a few of them will have a chance later to tell you what God did for them in return. And the really cool thing is that we led this thing and just encouraged them to do this, to risk and open up. They're the ones that made the choice. They opened up with each other, with husband and wife. They opened up in their small group, and God did the work there without us being right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And God wants that for you. If you don't have that yet, he wants it for you. He wants it for your marriage, for your family, with your friends. He wants you living in freedom. He wants you living openly. He wants you trusting the truth and trusting him to live that way. It's a risk. We always risk our heart when we do that. But it's the only way to have God right in the middle of our relationships. To have our heart open in, in truthfulness and in love with each other. You know, there's a, there's a movement that is going all throughout the earth now. It's a movement of the Holy Spirit and it is bearing transparency and vulnerability and, and nothing hidden. And it's starting with the church. Can you imagine what that would look like if we didn't have to hide, if we didn't have to put on masks, if we could fully, completely be our genuine selves and be able to love one another with Holy Spirit? We saw that go on this week with the people at their tables that sat down with three other couples, four couples total, and some they'd never laid eyeballs on before. But as they got free and they stepped into this anointing of transparency and vulnerability, the Holy Spirit took them on the ride of their lives. And I believe the Lord is wanting to do that all over. That's, that's the new, that's the new wineskin for the church you know, we, we've had this thing of performance, and we've got to do it right, and we have to be respectable. And, you know, God just wants us to be real. Mm-hmm. He just wants us to be our genuine selves with the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you a, a quick little story um, about my son, Jeremy, our second son. When he was seven years old, he decided, because we, have, we had four boys, and um, he didn't have a sister. 
I guess that's why he decided this. I always tell that, but I should really ask him what made him do this. But, but when he was seven, he went, he decided that he wanted to see what it felt like to have a girl kiss him. And he didn't, you know, we always talked about stuff as a family and with his brothers, he was really close. But this, he did all on his own. And there was a little girl next door. She was about five years older than all our boys. And she was part of a really dysfunctional family. And he, you know, we were always having to kind of monitor things and, you know, the Lord would help me. They'd be playing around the house and, and I'd hear stuff just at the right time when she'd be saying something to our boys, you know, and I'd, I'd come in and I'd be able to kind of, you know, referee it or whatever I needed to do. Anyway, it, it was a very interesting situation, but the Lord placed us there right next to that family. He chose us to be there. And so anyway... Jeremy, as he's thinking, you know, there must have been something negative in his mind, something shameful like, ooh, this probably isn't good that I want to kiss a girl. But instead of talking about it, like he did everything else, because it felt shameful, he kept it hidden. And so he thought, you know what? I bet you Suzanne would kiss me. That was the name of the little girl. And he's right. Suzanne did. She would kiss him, and she did. And he came back from that, and something changed in his life. A whole perspective changed, and a door opened at that point. And because he chose to keep this hidden, because of the shame that the enemy was speaking to him, he did not tell any of us until a year later. That's a long time for a little guy to keep a secret, especially a little guy like Jeremy. He would come in the house, and everybody knew what he was doing. He would tell all of us. But he couldn't tell his brothers, and he couldn't tell his mom and his dad because the enemy was speaking to him, and he had released a spirit of shame. And he kept that hidden for a whole year, and you know the worst part of it? There was no problem with him kissing a girl. That, that was a very normal, curious thing for a little boy to think of. And if we'd had the opportunity to talk to him about that, I think it all would have been different. But he chose to hide it. And you know, the worst thing that happened is that the enemy had the opportunity to only be the one feeding him for the next year and interpreting that act and speaking into his identity and telling him who he was and who he wasn't. And it started undermining who he was. It came in opposition of who God had created him to be. And the enemy started lying to him. And later on we found out he had, he had thoughts of like, I'm bad. Like there's something wrong with me. I'm later on even, this, this continued on way up until he was in his 20s, the effects of this thing. Now, finally, after a year, Caleb, his older brother, got a hold of, I guess he told Caleb, and they came in one night. It was about 10 o'clock at night. They should have already been asleep, but they came walking into our bedroom in their little tidy whities and Caleb's kind of dragging Jeremy saying, you know, come on, Jer, we've got to go tell mom and dad. 
And he says, Mom and Dad, Jeremy has something he wants to tell you. And so Jeremy told us the big sin. And you know, he told us that there were times that as we would pray with him throughout this year, like we do, we'd kiss him goodnight, talk to him, pray with him. After we would leave, he would turn his head to the wall and he would just cry because he felt so bad. Who was telling him that? Who was speaking that into his life? We were not perfect parents, but we didn't go around speaking that to him. So Jer told us, and we said, Jer, that's not a big deal. And we're so sad that you had to carry this for a whole year. He told us how he felt bad. And way back then, we didn't know, we hadn't learned from the Holy Spirit what he has taught us now about inner healing and just working through things like that and just the power the enemy has when we keep things hidden. So we hadn't been able to really fully deal with this. We prayed with him and we told him it was okay. He didn't need to worry about it. And we talked about girls and we talked about all kinds of things, but we didn't get to the heart. And the enemy was releasing shame and accusation and blame in condemnation. There were spirits that were speaking to our son all that time. So he grows up. He goes to school of ministry at Bethel. And the Lord brings all this to the surface one night. Thank the Lord. He knows just when stuff needs to come up when our spirits are ready to deal with it. And so we ended up praying through some stuff with Jeremy. He was probably in his early 20s at this time. Had carried this. And, and there was some other stuff that was bubbling up. But as we went, we said, Lord, where does this come from? We went back to that memory of the shame that had been released. And so we were able to pray through that with him. And he was able to get free. But, you know, I wonder how many of you sitting here right now there are things in your lives that the enemy has spoken to you about yourself or about your relationships or about, it could be anything, but his intent is never good. And one of the reasons why we want to be truthful in love, why we want to have nothing hidden, why we want to walk in transparency and vulnerability is because we want Jesus' light pouring over us, not just this way, but this way. We've got to have that. And when that happens, it gives us perspective, and it gives us discernment, and it's somebody else other than us. When you're being deceived, you don't know it. That's why you need people in your life. That's why you need people talking with you, getting into the deep places. We watched that this week. People sitting at a circle hadn't laid eyeballs on each other, many of them, and they started operating in transparency and vulnerability. They took that little step off the cliff. Ah! Some of them were kicking and screaming. And some of the cliffs were high. <laughs> but God brought unbelievable 
sometimes impossible, always incredible breakthrough when people started taking that step. And so I want to just leave you with this. Ask the Holy Spirit, would you show me today if there is something in my life that the enemy has caused me to hide or made me feel shame about or told me these are things I can never speak of. We have people in our workshop say, I swore I would go to my grave and would never tell anybody about this. You know, the most important thing to do in becoming transparent and vulnerable, here's the rule. It's one rule. It's simple. Share what Holy Spirit tells you to share with who you're supposed to do that with and do what Holy Spirit tells you to do. It's very simple. But it is a prescription for wholeness. It's a prescription for moving towards intimacy. And it's a prescription for peace. After Jeremy told us, he had peace. After we worked that through, that, that opportunity was not, the door was not open for the enemy to interpret who he was any longer. And it was Jesus. It was Holy Spirit. Straight this way and this way. So, Lord, we just release grace and anointing in this room. For everybody sitting here, you know them, God. You know their histories. You know where they've been. You know what they've done. You know what they've seen. You know what's been done to them. You know what's been spoken over them. You know what they've pressed through. You know their hearts, how good their hearts are. But if the enemy is accusing them or condemning their hearts today, Lord, we ask that you would rise up and speak to them. And we bless your spirits to be able to hear his voice today and have the, the grace and the courage to go to the right people and share it in the right way at the right time to get free. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So <clears throat> we talk about nothing hidden. And... We don't really get there apart from the Holy Spirit. We need him to reveal the truth to us. He is the spirit of truth. And so everywhere we, we try, everything we do, we try to let people listen to the Lord and hear the Holy Spirit's voice rather than just doing what we know to do or what, what seems right, what seems best to us. Our goal is oneness. We Our book, it's entitled Love After Marriage, A Journey into Spiritual, Emotional, and Physical Oneness. I told the first group, our publisher, we, went, our, we named it A Journey into Spiritual, Emotional, and Sexual Oneness. And they said, no, change it to physical. <clears throat> they said, go, don't put sex on the front of your book. You can put it on Christians the inside. Christians won't buy it. You can put it on the inside, but don't put it on the outside. I, I think it's because they're embarrassed. They say the Christians are too embarrassed to buy a book with sex on the outside. I don't think that's true, but we couldn't talk. I mean, we couldn't change their minds. I still want to do that, try to change, try to change their minds about that. But anyway, the next, next printing of it or something. 
But oneness, God wants us to be one in Him. And um, there's no place where oneness is more relevant and pertinent than in a marriage. But in John chapter 17, Jesus talked about those of us who would believe in Him through the work of the disciples and everybody after that who followed him. And he, t- he prayed for our oneness. He prayed to the Father that we would be one. And Jesus said this, The glory which you, he's talking to the Father, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. He said, I, I really don't know what all that means, but it's really pretty cool. <laughs> The glory that that the Father gave to Jesus, he's giving to us. I don't know if it's the glory. I think it's the glory he had as a human being. Because earlier in the chapter, he says, the glory which, he says, restore to me the glory which I had with you before the world was made. And so there's another glory he was going on to. But he wanted us to have what he had with the Father while he was here on earth. Mm -hmm. I'm not that close to it, I don't think. But I sure want more of it more of of God seen through me, less of me seen, less of my weaknesses and more of God seen and more things that reflect God in my life. And for what purpose? So that we would be one just as Jesus and the Father were one. The glory isn't to show us off and it's not really even just to show the Father off. It's to show him but it's to make us one. That when we're in God, he goes on and he says, he describes the, this oneness this way. Jesus in, he says, I in them, that's Jesus in us, and you, Father in, in me, being Jesus, that they may be perfected in, in one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. There's a message that God wants to convey through our oneness through us getting connected with the Lord, us making him the most important thing, making him more important than us. Like Jesus, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what my father is saying. That's, that's pretty well united. They were one. Jesus said, if, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one. And that's our, that's our goal, our call, our call not only as couples, but as a family in the church, as, as our family, as, as just as believers, we're called to be one. And we're called, we, we can only do that in the spirit realm. We can't do that naturally. We can only do that out of connection with the Lord. And where do we learn, how do we learn to, to discern good and evil? How do we learn to discern? How do we learn to tell what really is from God, what's from the enemy or from this world? For to walk by the Spirit of God, we're led by Him. Do you ever hear somebody say, the Lord told me, and you're going, I don't believe that was the Lord. <clears throat> Just um, one of the last workshops we did, a man came up and told me something, and I, I said back to him, I said, I would need to ask you a whole lot of questions before I could believe that was God speaking to you. How do we discern what is from God and what's from a man, what's from a person? 
Well, Jesus said a few things. He gave us a few hints. The Bible gives us a few hints. In John chapter 7, uh, Jesus was asked, he says, they said, where did you learn all these things that you know? You, you don't have any training in education. You didn't go through all the years of training like the religious leaders did. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, my teaching isn't my own. But it's from him who sent me. Isn't that cool? Don't you wish you could know all that he knew just from your relationship to God? There's some way for us to gain a whole lot more than we have by that real connection, our oneness with the Lord. But then Jesus went on and said this. He says, any man, any person who wills to do the will of my Father will know of my teaching whether I speak from myself or whether I speak from God. See what he's saying? Our part is to get ourselves to use our will to do what God tells us to do when he tells us to do something. And he says, out of that relationship of following him, we'll be able to tell what's of God and what's from this earth or from the enemy. We'll be able to tell the difference. Many of you have heard people quote John 8.32, the truth will set you free. Well, there's a, there's a condition to that. It's the verse before it. John 8.31 says, If you remain in my words, or abide in my words, or continue in my words, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. The condition is, Jesus speaks to us. He gives us his words. Do we walk in them? Do we continue in them? Or do we just do our own thing after we hear what God tells us to do? We can hear his words and choose to listen to the TV or our neighbor or ourselves. And we're no longer God's disciples. We're our own disciple or the TV's disciple or our neighbor's disciple. And we're learning their truth. And that truth won't set us free. In, in Hebrews... The writer is talking to the, to the Christian believers there and saying, you know, by this time you should, have, you should have matured to the point where you're teaching other people and we have to go back and teach you the basic principles of God, elementary teachings. He says, and you still need milk. Can't feed you solid food yet. And he says, those who only take in milk, which is basically the information, the teaching. It's one of the reasons why in our workshops we've we got to get people listening to God. We've got to get them doing stuff, not just taking in information. He says, when, when, you, when you just take in the information and the knowledge, and we have to start there. Every baby has to start with milk. We can't start with solid food, and we all start with taking in the information. It's great, but we have to go beyond that to listening to the Spirit, the voice of God. And he says, those who partake only of milk, just the information, are unaccustomed to the word of righteousness. And that word literally means you've not, when, when the testing came, you were not proven in the word of righteousness. You followed some other way, some other word. But if we do, when we're tested and proven, when, when, the, when everything inside of us wants to do our own thing, and we know what God wants us to do, and we say, I'm going to do what you want, God. I don't like that. It scares me. Nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to understand. And we still do what God wants us to do. So then we're partaking of solid food. 
Solid food is for the mature, who through practice, practicing that, practicing walking in God's word of righteousness, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We aren't to judge each other, but we are to judge what is good and what is evil and follow what is good. And we have to walk by the Spirit of God to see, see in the spirit realm, not looking at people and their behavior and de- deciding everybody's behavior is good and evil, but what really is working spiritually is good and evil. And as we do that, as we walk by the Spirit of God, as we see through His eyes, through His lens, um, we, God will unite us. He will make us one. And out of that, He will show the world that God sent Jesus and that Jesus' love is in us. He will show the world that God, Jesus' love is in us, just like the Father loved Jesus. So, Father, I just ask that all of us here will understand that our, our commitment to you as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to walk with you as Jesus did to walk with Jesus, to walk with the Spirit, to living His life and not our own. But I also ask, Lord, that every, for every one of us that we will realize that is also our, our ticket into freedom, our ticket into the promises of the Lord, our ticket into a life that goes way, way beyond what we could ever create on our, ourselves. I bless you to be men and women spiritual men and women who activate your wills Mm -hmm. and open up your spirits to listen to the Lord and follow him. I bless you to be men and women and a church that reflect the glory of God Mm -hmm. and the way you live and the way you relate to each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.